Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Inflation remains too high and the labor market continues to be very tight. Raise the target range for the federal funds rate to four and three quarters to five percent. An indictment. The likelihood that if it occurs, it will just further divide our country. We do not trust TikTok. Your platform should be banned. There are more than 150 million Americans who love our platform. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lambrecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is Thursday. News and Views got a good program lined up for you. Uh, You've probably been following that uh, high school shooting out in Colorado. Unfortunately, the uh, suspect took his own life, apparently. Police identified the suspect Wednesday afternoon as Austin Lyle, 17 years old. Earlier today, they found his body in the woods near an abandoned car. That was his car. He is accused of wounding two administrators on Wednesday at East High School in Denver. Park County Sheriff Tom McGraw said the body was discovered Wednesday not far from the student's car in a remote mountain area 50 miles southwest of Denver near a small town of Bailey in Park County. Now, normally, this uh, shooting episode would have been red meat for liberals and the mainstream media. Uh, Two problems, though, that you won't hear a lot about the shooting is, one, the shooter was not a white male, and two, the shooter did not use an AR-15. But uh, nonetheless, uh, this is sad. I mean, I don't know what this kid's problem was, but it's 17-year-old, good-looking young man, young black man, and... uh, you know, I, I, I would say, uh, it's total speculation on my part, total speculation. But I would say that he did not have a dad in his life. He did not, or at least a, a father figure that took him under his arm, that mentored him, that, that taught him how to be a, a man, how to be a Christian man. Uh, I, I, I would I, I would take... Crazy odds on that bet that I am right. Uh, it is it is a uh, just another evidence of the real issue that we are lacking in our country. We're, we're not lacking on sexual rights. We're not lacking on environmental causes. We're not lacking on equity or inequality. What we're act, lacking on is a breakup of the family the breakup of Christian values, and especially, especially of all things, we are hurting when it comes to boys, young men and boys, having a father deeply involved in their life. Listen, I know there are a lot of women out there, I've said this before, single moms doing the best they can. God bless you. I'm not being critical of you. I'm being critical of the dads that don't take responsibility. You know, uh, impregnating a woman is not being a father. Being a father means raising the child. John Bell, the House Majority Leader in the North Carolina House Republican, has filed a bill to ban foreign adversaries from purchasing North Carolina farmland. This is uh, happening in a lot of states across the country. You've probably heard a number of states, a number of governors primarily. Our governor's not going to do this. So John Bell has... Today's State House Majority Leader John Bell from Wayne County filed the North Carolina Farmland and Military Protection Act, House Bill 
463 to prohibit China, Russia, Iran, and other foreign adversaries and state-controlled entities from purchasing agricultural land, including property surrounding military bases. Primary sponsors include Tim Moore, Jeff Zinger, uh, and Jennifer Balcom from Henderson. Quote, allowing foreign adversaries to purchase farmland is a legitimate concern in rural North Carolina and poses a serious risk to our national and food security, said Representative Bell. By putting a halt to these land grabs, this bill will protect our state's most precious natural resources while further safeguarding our military installations. It is critical that we act now to mitigate this unnecessary threat to our state and our nation. You know, I'd be curious, Are they? Uh, is there a higher interest uh, by China, in, and, and I don't know if there's even been any inquiries. I mean, I think even if there hasn't been any inquiries, and listen, the Democrats are going to say, well, they're not buying land. We don't need this bill. No, we, we need this bill because they are buying land in other parts of the country. And North Carolina has got a lot of military bases, and that seems to be what they are interested in buying, farmland located next to military bases, in some, some instances top-secret military bases. Uh, we have plenty of military bases, and we have plenty of farms near those military bases. Uh, kudos to John Bell. I, I, I will be shocked if that doesn't pass. I won't be shocked if Cooper vetoes it, because, I mean, this is not, Joe Biden would be opposed to this. Joe Biden has actually helped the Chinese purchase assets in the United States. By the way, speaking of uh, Joe... Uh, there is, uh, of course, we talked about this yesterday, the Biden family getting all kinds of money from communist China for work. We don't know what the work is. Uh, the question actually came up in yesterday's White House briefing. Peter Ducey asking Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre about uh, the findings that the House Oversight Committee has come across bank records, emails, on February the 27th, 2023, Chairman Comer of the House Oversight Committee issued a subpoena for certain financial records. These records prove the Biden family used at least three family members, Haley Biden, James Biden, and Hunter Biden, and various companies to receive lucrative payments, which came out of the CCP. So yesterday, Peter Ducey asks about these findings, and does Corrine Jean-Pierre have anything to say about it? Cut one. Thank you, Corrine. Uh, House Oversight says they've got bank records showing a Chinese energy company paying three Biden family members through a third party. What were they paid for? Look, I'm just not going to respond to that from here. That's it. <laughs> I'm just not going to respond to that from here. I don't even know where to begin to answer that question. Uh, you know, that is not an answer from somebody who has an answer, obviously. Frankly, Corinne Jean-Pierre is one of the most inept press secretaries in my memory, recent memory. Although my memory is sometimes fading these days. She does such a poor job of answering questions. Most of the time, they're not answers. Uh, she, she will you ask a question and she'll lecture you, or she won't call on you 
And then when these certain conservatives, there's uh, one conservative, well, I don't know how conservative he is, but one reporter from an African nation who went after her the other day saying, why is it that you don't call on certain people ever? And uh, they got into a little bit of an argument. And then she goes to make a Kamala Harris word salad lecture as if she's lecturing four-year-olds. But anyway, she does such a poor job, she stumbles when she lies, And uh, but I will say this. Maybe this is the best response she could possibly have given to this question. I mean, she didn't lie. <laughs> that, that's good. I mean, it's a start. I refuse to, uh, you know, I mean, maybe she should have followed it up saying, I'm not going to answer that. I refuse to answer on the grounds that it will incriminate my boss and it will get me fired. But it's gotten to the point now that they've run out of answers. And the further this train gets down the tracks with the House Oversight Committee, the worse it's going to be for Joe. I, I can actually see if, if Joe, one of two things I think is going to happen. Now, for those of us who were taking bets on how long Joe would last in the White House, I mean, not, not to rag on Benny, he's not here to defend himself. I think Benny had predicted that he wouldn't have made it past the first year, certainly not past the midterms. He's gotten that far, although, uh, you know, he's the Manchurian, Manchurian candidate for sure. But I, I actually think between now and re-election time, and by, by the way, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, talking heads thought he would have announced by now. They, a lot of talking heads thought he would have announced shortly after the State of the Union. That didn't happen. But he still hasn't announced that he is uh, going to uh, run for re-election. One of two things I think are going to happen. Either one, he decides to bow out for medical reasons of some sort. Not, you know, that I, I'm, I'm just, you know, or I want to spend time with the family. Some, some sidebar issue. It, it wouldn't be a political explanation. It would, you know, I mean, the, the, the bottom line is he sees potential legal problems. So I would either see that happening or if he decides that he is bound and determined to come out and say, I am running again, I don't care what my, quote, Democrat allies have to say about it, I am going to run again. If that is the case, it's possible that we see Joe go down by being taken down by his own party and have his own party turn against him. Because I, I, because, and I say that. Because uh, there's another story in my pile here just talking about the fact that President Biden's numbers are pretty much at the bottom. They're almost matching. Now, the last time they were this bad was when gasoline prices hit their peak in 2022. Biden's approval rating currently sits at just 38%. Frankly, I'm surprised it's that high. I, you know, and that's what I don't understand. How is it? that his approval rating's at 38%, but these polls come out, you know, he against Trump or he against DeSantis, and they've got him winning at like 46 47%. I mean, the, the, the numbers don't add up. So Biden's approval rating right now is at 38%. His high in February was 45%. Um, he, he just, people are now looking at, I, I think, the bank failures, how the economy is going. You know, by the way, I saw another headline today. 
you know, Janet Yellen is coming out. I, you know, we've played it in our bumpers in the last couple of days. But, you know, the bank system is safe. We don't have anything to worry about. Now, I find this contradictory. Maybe some people would say, well, no, that's what she meant. But then there's a headline out today that Janet Yellen has come out and said, listen, the FDIC, we will back up other banks and their depositors if they're having any problems. So on one hand, you know, the banking solvent, we have no problems. On the other hand, but if we do, <laughs> we're, here to, we're here to back you up. So right now, um, Biden's numbers are pretty bad, pretty low. I don't think, uh, they, well, they're, they're probably about as low as Trump's low was. But here's the big difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden has a mainstream media that either looks the other way or does everything they can do to make Joe look like he's not totally unconscious and inept. Donald Trump, on the other hand, his press did everything they could do to make him look bad, to make him look inept. So Donald Trump's worst numbers weren't any worse than Joe Biden. But Joe Biden's got all the mainstream press as his PR agents. Hey, we've got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. In fact, we have uh, scheduled um, Jim Carafano to talk about what's going on over in Russia with the uh, Chinese and uh, the Russians getting all uh, lovey-dovey. We'll talk about that uh, with uh, Jim at about uh, 20 minutes towards the top of the hour. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Ride Shotgun with your 5 o'clock drive. Well, the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Well, we finally got some uh, decent weather this afternoon and uh, got up close to uh, 80 degrees. Lots of sunshine and uh, a little breezy out there this afternoon, but it felt awful nice. And it's going to be even nicer tomorrow with um, a high of 87 and lots of sunshine. Uh, tonight, a low of 62, a few clouds. Tomorrow night, again, a low of 62 with uh, fair skies. Saturday, unfortunately, in the evening, a rainstorm will probably come in. I don't think it's going to last real long Saturday night. By the time uh, the high on Saturday should be in the uh, mid-80s, Sunday should be mostly sunny with a high around 81. So all in all, pretty darn nice and a good time to get out and play some golf. As weather gets warmer and life gets busier, you deserve some time to relax and have some fun. Ironwood Golf and Country Club invites you to become a member and make new traditions with your friends and family on the course, in the pool, at the courts, or while enjoying a great meal with beautiful views. Ironwood offers a variety of memberships with no initiation fee required. Before you join anywhere else, call membership director Jenna Doyle. She can tell you about a variety of different membership levels. She'll give you a tour of the clubhouse. She'll even give you a cart, and you can go ride the course if you'd like. Uh, become a member today at Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Her number, Jenna Doyle's number, 752-4653, extension 202. Uh, it is a gorgeous golf course. It is a lot of fun to play. Maybe I'll see you out there. So uh, this is like a Groundhog Day story. How many times will this come up, and how many times will it not pass? And the reason why it doesn't pass is because the members of Congress get up to D.C. and say, oh, this is a perk. 
gee, why would I vote against this? I'm talking about the fact that uh, members of Congress do insider trading all the time. And we've seen it over and over again. We've seen it with Nancy Pelosi. Uh, we've seen it with family members. And, and it's, it's pretty curious how some go to jail and some don't. There was a member of Congress from New York, I believe he was. He told his son he had some inside information related to a drug that was coming out that wasn't approved. He called his son. He said, quick, get out there and sell the stock. He was caught. He was a Republican. He went to jail. Yet somehow, guys like Richard Burr get away with it. Hmm. Nancy Pelosi, she gets away with it. Several prominent lawmakers have been accused of leveraging their knowledge about forthcoming regulations to purchase stocks and sell stocks. The legislation introduced by two Republicans and a Democrat earlier this week would ban the trading of individual stocks, bonds, commodities, and futures by lawmakers and their spouses, as well as established a $50,000 civic penalty for each violation enforced by the Department of Justice and the United States Office of Special Counsel. Now, there are laws on the books, but they're very selectively enforced that, you know, you're supposed to put your stocks in a trust fund and you're not supposed to have anything to do with them while you're serving. Uh, it, yeah, it, it hadn't happened. One of the sponsors, Representative Buck from Colorado, said it's past time for Washington to do the right thing and ban members of Congress from using their elected position to enrich themselves. Uh, another member said members of Congress receive information that the public does not. It's inappropriate for elected officials to then turn around and invest or buy stocks using that insider information. The American people must have trust in Congress that they would use that information to conduct official business, not benefit their stock portfolio. Um, as many as 97 lawmakers or their immediate family members purchased or sold assets related to their legislative committee work, between 2019 and 2021, this was an analysis by the New York Times. And again, <laughs> that was with the current laws on the books. Uh, kudos to these uh, two, two Republicans and one Democrat who have come out and said, you know, we, we've got to make we, we've got to make this legislation even stronger because people are getting around it. And it goes to the Ethics Committee. And who makes up the Ethics Committee? Other members of Congress. What are they going to do? Oh, well, you know, that might be me next time. I'll just, yeah, we'll just make sure that, yeah, yeah, we'll just wink at that. Ah, don't worry, Richard. Don't worry, Richard. We got you. We got you back. No problem. Only two in ten Americans trust that our government is working in their best interest, said the Democrat sponsor of this uh, new legislation. So what are we going to call this new bill? Let's call it the Burr Pelosi I Know Nothing Bill. So the ongoing saga of Donald Trump, a Manhattan grand jury will not hear testimony today again. Tomorrow they don't meet. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to pat myself on the back. I might strain a muscle, but uh, <laughs> you heard it first here. I said I don't think this is going to go through, and I, now it looks more likely than ever that it won't go through. Again, as we mentioned yesterday... Sources close to what's going on say that there's major dissension within the Bragg District Attorney Office. He's the uh, district attorney up there in the Manhattan borough. 
One source claimed that the district attorney is having trouble convincing the grand jury on potential charges due to the weakness of the case. Uh, Trump has repeatedly denied wrongdoing. Of course, Robert Costello, a former legal advisor to Cohen, who is basically the key witness to take down Donald Trump. And again, this all goes back to the $130,000 that was paid to uh, Stormy Daniels. And, and maybe the strongest piece of evidence came out in the last 24 hours. Just the news is reporting a letter from an attorney representing former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen attests that the disgraced ex-lawyer acted alone in making a payment to Stormy Daniels in 2016. Now, this letter was from back in 2016. So, I mean, this isn't a new letter that's come out trying to verify what Donald Trump has said. I mean, you know, Robert Costello, I I don't know the guy. He's probably a, a good, honest guy. I don't know. But he came out just this week and said, wait a minute, Michael Cohen's a liar. He's a serial liar. Well, you know, that, it's, that might be a character reference, but it doesn't really verify anything that happened back in 2016. But now this letter, which was written back in 2016, is indeed saying that uh, the guy that writes the letter is a guy named Stephen Ryan. He writes to the Federal Election Commission asserting that Trump was not involved in making the hush payments to Daniels, that the then presidential candidate did not reimburse Cohen, and just the news has reached out to Ryan to confirm the authenticity of the email. Quote, in a private transaction in 2016 before the U.S. presidential election, Mr. Cohen used his own personal funds to facilitate a payment of $130,000 to Stormy Daniels, also known as her real name, Stephanie Clifford. The letter reads, neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign was a party to the transaction with Ms. Clifford and neither reimbursed Cohen for the payment directly or indirectly. You know, the other part of this is, and by the way, Trump came out and said, hey, this is totally exculpatory. In other words, this, this is a letter that proves my innocence. This is totally exculpatory. It must end the Manhattan District Attorney's witch hunt immediately. He loves that witch hunt term. Cohen admits that he did himself. The DA should get on with the proceeding. Uh, uh, Cohen admits he did himself cut the check and send it to uh, Stormy Daniels. The DA should get on with prosecuting violent criminals so people can walk down the sidewalks of New York without being murdered, he continued. Another um, potential crime that perhaps this will settle is that Donald Trump paid for this and it came out of, uh, it was listed, it was deducted on his taxes as legal expense. Well, if if uh, Michael Cohen paid this without Michael without uh, Donald Trump's knowledge and just paid it, and then sent a bill for legal expenses to cover this expense along with his time, because that's what the other thing is said. Well, you know, it was listed, but it, they, they're saying it was inflated for tax purposes. They're accusing him of doing it for tax purposes, another a bigger tax deduction. Of all the tax deductions that Donald Trump has, do you think he would he would lie? You know, increase a hundred and thirty thousand dollar bill to a hundred and forty thousand dollar bill and list it as legal expenses unless it was accurate. <laughs> I mean, he this is this is a billionaire that has hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate that he can use all kinds of tax deductions on. 
Now I don't know what the I don't know what the in total inflated amount was. That hundred and forty thousand dollars is just a figure I threw out there. I don't I'm not sure that's an accurate figure or not, but that's what they're accusing him of. Well, and and you know the category that it was taken out of. Well, if he's reimbursing Cohen, and Cohen just sends him a bill that covers again without any pre knowledge by Donald Trump. That uh, I'm going to, hey, do you want me to pay this $130,000 to this woman who's trying to basically extort money out of you? He didn't even go to Donald Trump with it, apparently. He just paid the bill. Why Michael Cohen has turned on Trump, the only thing I can figure is because uh, he, he broke the law and he thought Donald Trump should have done more to uh, bail him out or give him a presidential pardon. I, I don't know what he was thinking, but uh, apparently it's a little bit of uh, I'll see if I can get back at Donald Trump because he didn't do enough for me. Also, Just the News is reporting House investigators led by Jim Jordan are pressing to determine if Democrats in the nation's capital have been politically pressuring Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, to file criminal charges against Trump. Jordan told Just the News last night that the House Judiciary Committee is worried that figures in the Biden White House, the Biden DOJ, or members of Congress, or former associates, of Russian special counsel Michael Mueller's investigation have been trying to lure Bragg into a decision that will inevitably impact the 2024 election. Hey, they did it once and got away with it. Why not do it again? Uh, so anyway, that's one of the questions they've got. It's one of the questions we ask. Is there involvement with elected officials here in Congress? There's been news reports that Democrats have been working with Bragg, pushing Bragg, helping Bragg in this direction. So that's something we think is important to understand, not to mention the federal money that they could withhold from Bragg. Of course, the big question now is, will Bragg uh, talk? Will he cooperate with this uh, committee? Uh, so far, it looks like he won't. But listen, if uh, they, have the, they have the power of the purse. Now, the Republicans have done a terrible job with using that power of the purse. Maybe Jim Jordan will actually get them to use that. Hey, we're going to take another time out. Stay with us when we come back. We should be joined by Jim Carafano to talk about what's going on with the Chinese, uh, the Xi Jinping and uh, Putin. They've got a bromance going on. We'll talk about that when we get back. Making the money. How about the 20 bucks you owe me? Oh, yeah. Well, I only got 10, so here's 10. I owe you 10. Thanks. While the banks play their games. Hey, Mo, you owe me 20. Well, here's 10, I'll owe you 10. You don't have to feel like a stooge. Uh-uh. You owe me 20. Here's 10, I owe you 10. Here's a 10, I owe you. Bank on us to keep you up to date. Here's a 10, I owe you. Here's a 10, I owe you. Good. Now we're all even. Because we like to keep you current. See? <laughs> now back to news and views with Tom Lamb. And Benny Hardy. Benny is out doing uh, taxes, and uh, if you're an accountant, you can uh, empathize with that. And he, he once in a while will come up for air, but uh, for the most part, not so much. Uh, Got to share this with you though. Kirsten Cinema, the senator from Arizona, um, she has announced. You know, she was a Democrat. She went independent. But there are several independents, uh, Angus from uh, Maine, Bernie Sanders, independent, supposedly. But they caucus with the Democrats. 
Kirsten Cinema has decided to no longer caucus with the Democrats, and she has stopped attending the Democrats, what she calls dumb lunches. Why? Because old dudes are eating jello. <laughs> These are her words. And everyone is talking about, of themselves, about how great they are. This out of Politico. While speaking with GOP lobbyists in Washington, D.C., the Democrat-turned-independent senator reportedly said that caucus lunches were ridiculous. Old dudes are eating jello. Everyone is talking about how great they are. I really don't need to be there for that. That is an hour and a half twice a week that I can get back. I, what do senators do? I, I, I do not have, I, I mean, and nine times out of ten, my day is such that if, my, if I'm fortunate, my wife will bring me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I'll, I'll eat it as I'm doing show prep or in the studio or something. She said, the northerners and westerners put Cool Whip on their jello. The southerners put on cottage cheese. Cinema registered as an independent in 2022, December of last year, separating herself from the Democratic Party. Uh, she has not announced whether she will seek re-election in 2024. Quote, I'm not caucusing with the Democrats, clarifying that apart from being, quote, formally aligned with the Democrats for committee purposes, she is not a part of the, car the, the carcass. <laughs> the caucus. Maybe I was right the first time. The Democrat carcass. Senator explained that rather than attend such events with Democrats, I spend my days doing productive work, which is why I've been able to lead every bipartisan vote that's happened in the last two years. While Cinema made fun of Democrats, those dumb, dumb luncheons, the senator also has a history of ridiculing the GOP. Uh, she was upset when Republicans shouted at Joe Biden during a State of the Union speech, uh, saying it's disturbing and sad. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I love that. I mean, you... <laughs> And, you know, it's, it's so bad that some of those old geezers probably need to have their jello strained. <laughs> That's how bad it is. The uh, Arizona Supreme Court has ruled this week sending a piece of uh, the former GOP's gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake's election lawsuit back down to the trial court to examine whether or not Maricopa County followed signature verification policies in 2022. Uh, kudos to Carrie Lake. I know a lot of people think, you know, just you know, go ahead and just admit you lost and just go on with life. And I, I, understand, I understand that to a certain degree. But this is really starting to become a pattern. And if this isn't fought, if this isn't pushed back upon, I mean, just like the, the story earlier, we're talking about, you know, hey, they... They, uh, there were certainly some irregularities in the 2020 general election. They seem to have pulled it last November again in elections out in Arizona. And uh, will they pull it again next time? Chances are, well, you know, that's why they asked uh, Bragg's office, or Jim Jordan wants to find out from Bragg, are Democrats pressuring you to do this to try to affect the 24 election? The order in the Kerry Lake situation, the order states... It is further ordered remanding to the trial court to determine whether the claim that Maricopa County failed to comply with state law and establish that votes were affected, quote, in sufficient numbers to alter the outcome of the election based on a, com uh, 
a competent mathematical basis to conclude that the outcome will plausibly have been different, not simply an untethered assertion of uncertainty. Now, again, the lower court basically said to Carrie Lake, nah, get out of here. We ain't going to deal with this. She went to the Supreme Court and they said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You got to go back and reconsider this. Now, they didn't send everything back, but in this particular thing, and I, I think the reason why they did this is uh, basically they're saying, before we go over everything, before we look at, look at every accusation that you have that there were improprieties done that were illegal, let's first figure out that if you are correct, that would have affected the election, that the outcome of the election would have been different. And so I think that's what they're trying to establish. And indeed, if the lower court does its work, and if they come back and say, well, yeah, if, uh, if that had been the case, there could have been a different outcome in the election, then I think the Arizona Supreme Court will uh, take this case and run with it further. There is a uh, op-ed. By the way, we're trying to get Jim Carafano on the phone. He was scheduled to be with us. Uh, Clark is continuing to try to reach him as we speak. Um, but he has an interesting uh, op-ed out on Fox News. And it deals with the seeming uh, relation with Russia, Russia's Putin and China's Xi. And the question is, okay, you know, a lot of people are observing this. And they're saying to themselves, wow, are we going to have a superpower here that's going to steam, steamroll the rest of the world? And while Jim says, we, you know, we need to pay attention to this, he also is thinking, this is not coming from Russia from a position of strength. This is probably coming from a position of weakness. I don't know if you heard yesterday, they were talking about the fact that Russia, what they're bringing to the table is Russia will now start to provide oil and gas and natural gas to China, which, by the way, for all you environmentalists, is much dirtier than the fossil fuels we have right here in the United States. But because you want to shut down everything, we're actually burning dirtier fossil fuels provided by Russia, making our adversary wealthy and, uh, frankly, making the environment dirtier. They're going to do that, but then uh, Russia also said to China, we will not only, you know, supply your needs for fossil fuels, but we will also begin to trade with other countries that we're providing fuels for. We will now, instead of, you know, the dollar has been the, the staple currency of trade internationally, Basically, since World War One, Russia came out yesterday and said, we'll start to trade with the Chinese dollar, the Chinese currency. J. Car uh, James J. Carafano writes, the lengthy huddle between the leaders of China and Russia is a bromance playing out in parallel universes. While it may look like the rising of a new evil empire, this is the reality an increasingly desperate Putin, and an opportunistic regime in Beijing. The fact that Russia and China are acting as thick as backstabbing thieves doesn't mean America and our friends and allies shouldn't take the partnership seriously. After all, what drives Moscow and Beijing together 
a hatred of the United States and our history as the world's leading superpower. These powers fully intended to exploit Biden, the most inept, feckless, and gullible opponent they have faced since Barack Obama. The only thing I would correct of, of uh, Jim's comments there is I think this is Barack Obama. They are, uh, in other words, Joe Biden's not calling the shots. Barack is. They are constantly hoping to play that to their advantage. For one, she hopes that any tough talk against Beijing will be all had and no cattle. After all, this administration has done nothing but take CCP money and refuse to hold the regime accountable for a laundry list of abuses. Um, what's also interesting about this op-ed piece is he doesn't cut any slack for Putin. He basically calls Putin a uh, almost almost as bad as Joe Biden in terms of his foreign policy. Uh, even with no results to brag about, Putin still started bragging with a midnight romp through America, uh, Mariupol, more than odd, uh, um, more odd than triumphant. Then Putin scoffed at the International Criminal Court's war crimes indictment. Indeed, one of his cronies threatened to blow up the court with a hypersonic missile. Putin wrapped his madcap long weekend by welcoming Xi to Moscow. Uh, where was it in here? He, he, actually, uh, he actually, in this op-ed, goes even further in saying that uh, Putin is, is not this, this strong international in command commander that he he, he basically uh, you know when, when you consider what has happened in Ukraine and uh, whether you agree with being in Ukraine or not I think there's a viable argument that uh, what DeSantis brings up that you know why are we involved in this territorial dispute I mean our founding fathers said often you know uh, that you, you need to be very, very careful in getting involved in other people's business. It can suck you in and bring you down. And listen, I, I, I understand those people that think that the Ukrainians need some help and need some defense. Uh, we have helped them and we have defended them to the point, to the point that our munitions are low, our military is weak. What, what happens if we have to defend ourselves? What happens if we have to defend our shores? Anyway, an interesting piece. I mean, you got to take it seriously, but uh, the, the bottom line with uh, Jim's piece is I think he's saying, you know what, I, you know, we got to pay attention, but I wouldn't be quite as worried about this as uh, you might normally think, that you've got two, quote, superpowers. Russia's superpowerness has uh, really taken a uh, poke on the chin. Stay with us. More news and views coming up right after this. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back again. A transgender female, in other words, a biological male, has finished first place at a New York City cycling event on Sunday. Well, this is a shocker. A social media post from the New York uh, NYC Cycling News showed Tiffany Thomas, a man, biological male, standing between two biological females. Thomas was the first place winner of the Randalls Island race on Sunday. Uh, his web bio says, Tiffany, Tiffany's a man, 
is a scientist by day and athlete by night. Isn't that curious? A scientist by day, and yet here is a biological male saying is a biological female. In other words, you've basically taken any credibility you have and just flushed it down the toilet. It appeared to be the first time Thomas had finished in first place this year, but Thomas has finished in first place 16 other times in past years. U.S. Cycling is committed, they say, to ensuring that all USA Cycling members have equal access and opportunities to participate in cycling events in a manner that is fair to all competitors while preserving the integrity of the sport and respecting international competition regulations. I, that, that statement is so full of oxymorons, fair to all competitors. So we're going to allow a biological male to compete against women, and, and that's fair. We're going to preserve the integrity of cycling. <laughs> well, if you're going to do that, then let's have a category for men and a category for women. But let's not intermix the two. When was the last time you heard, you never have heard this, that I remember, I cannot remember ever hearing of a sports story where a biological woman has beaten a trans woman, i.e. A, bio, a biological male, in a physically enduring sporting event. You don't hear about it because it doesn't happen. And yet all these woke morons continue to say, oh, oh we, we, we've got to have equality. World women, world women, it's not coming from the conservatives. Hey, our thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.